Welcome to the Chi Alpha UNC podcast. We're excited that you've decided to stop by. We are in a new series called Same God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Today, Caleb continues our series by telling us that God forgives our transgressions, iniquities, and sins. This message was recorded on March 30th, 2023 at the Columbine Suites at the UC. Please join us every Thursday at 7 p.m. at the UNC campus. All are welcome. Come as you are. Leave as a new creation. Am I off? Hello? I'm on. I'm off. Well, there's a little, I'm, I'm a little bit in there. Yeah? Can you hear me? Yeah? I grabbed Gracie's mic. Cool. All right. Well, welcome to Kyle. It's good to see all, all of you here. I already said that. Uh, welcome again. So uh, first announcement tonight is um, we are still praying. Still praying. Yeah. Woo. We're still praying. And it would be awesome to pray with you guys. So, uh, you know, if you're, if you're free on Tuesdays, uh, or even if you're not, you know, maybe you could pray. So uh, 11 a.m. in the Camps Commons, it's an awesome time to come together. Jeff was there this week. Jeff prayed with us. It was incredible. He skipped class. Don't do that. Don't skip class to come pray. Pray in your class with us. You could do that. You could do that. But it was good. It was good. Uh, and that is Jake. That is Jake's <laughs> face. Still. We're almost atomic. <laughs> All right, you guys. The next announce- announcement is women in ministry debate. Yeah, come on. <laughs> it's going to be a fun, fun day, guys. It's going to be Saturday, April 8th from 10 to noon. Um, you should be there and give us a lot of support. Um, yeah. I don't know why Peck should be included in this picture because Peck's That's also going to be debating Peck with us. Peck is going to be debating. It's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. CJ and I are going to be on a team, so it's women against dudes. So it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Now, can I get the deepest growl you've ever heard from all the men for men's advance? That's right. We are going to be headed up to um, my parents' cabin, actually, up in uh, near Fairplay. And, uh, yeah, it's Kluth Cabin. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be meat and men and guns and God. Yeah. I love how God's awesome. the fourth person. I know, right? The fourth thing. <laughs> guns first guns and first. meat first. Yeah. Men first. <laughs> men first, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, what is that, like two weeks? Friday, Saturday, April... 14th through the 16th, 80 bucks. That covers the food, mostly, and uh, other stuff that we're doing. So, um, yeah, come. Sign up. You can, uh, maybe you should sign up right now. Yeah, do it. Do it. You could pull out your phone. It's okay. Pull out your phone. Yeah, Gabe. Gabe's the only one who's registered so far. (laughs) Good job, Gabe. Proud of you, bro. Where where are you at? There you are. So it's going to be a bunch of staff and Gabe, apparently. If more men don't register, so register. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. All right, next announcement tonight is offering. 
Now, I feel like we. <laughs> I feel like we say the same thing every week, but um, yeah, it's really, really good, and it's a way of worship to give back to the Lord. That's right. What we've so That's graciously right. been given. Um, so if you feel led to give, please give. Um, but yeah, let's pray over the offering before we continue. Lord, thank you so much for this room. Lord, thank you for all of these people who are here tonight. Lord, I just pray a blessing over the offering. Um, whatever we get tonight, Lord, that it will all be just returned to you. Lord, that we will use this money, Lord, and it will be steward in a way that is pleasing to you, Lord, in whatever way necessary. Jesus, we love you, Lord, and we pray all these things in your glorious name. Amen. 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 All right, and now I would like to invite up not uh, staff member Caleb, the other Caleb. Different Caleb. Student Caleb. Caleb is coming up here to uh, talk about something. I don't know what. Thank you. I don't know what to say, really. Uh, don't stop clapping, please. I'm just kidding. Um, I just That's really loud. Um, I just wanted to let you guys know that my church um, is Trinity Spanish Assembly of God, and we're having a worship night tomorrow night at 7, and you guys are all invited. Dang, come on. I know, right? It's going to be at 7 p.m. I'll send you guys the details later in the group chat. But anyways, are you, are you we, I am singing. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully better than tonight. <laughs> that's reason enough. That's yeah, reason enough. Yeah, no, 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 no. Don't come for me. Who right. are we coming for? We are coming for Jesus. That's we are true. coming to worship the Lord. That's true. Not me. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, you guys are all invited. We just want to be able to, we're just inviting as many people as possible because we just want to have everyone to be on fire for Jesus. That's in right. Our generation. And I just want to have that place where we can do that together. So, yeah, yeah. come on. We would love, love to see you guys there. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, guys. Well, I get the awesome privilege of announcing our speaker up tonight. Who is it? The first time I get to say this, I'm so happy. It is my amazing fiance, <laughs> Caleb Carnell. Is that a Noeo hat? do with my hands. On this finger, Maddie. <laughs> well, welcome. Good evening, Chi Alpha. Guys, it is a pleasure to be with you guys again tonight. I mean, we are here every single week. We love it. It's awesome. It's awesome. How many of you guys have been enjoying our series so far? Man, it's been incredible, hasn't it? Well, obviously, we are continuing in our series, The Same God series, and it's our study in Exodus 34. And in case you've forgotten, let's throw up that, uh, that slide up there, and we're going to read through Exodus 34, starting in verse 5. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord. God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, 
visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Jesus, thank you for this opportunity here tonight. God, uh, I ask that whatever you want to speak to us, speak through me. And let this be all about you. Let our focus be on you and what you've done. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, so the topic we are talking about today is this portion underlined in, and in bold on the screen, where it says, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. You see... When I was preparing for this message, initially thinking about the forgiveness of sin and the good part about that, the, the, the reason that it's kind of a tough subject to tackle is that if we need forgiveness, it means that we are guilty. It means that we must have done something wrong, or in many of our cases, my case too, many things that we have done wrong. You see... When we look at, uh, this, this is uh, the, the New King James Version up here, and it says, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And these, are t these words, iniquity and transgression, are two words that are all throughout Scripture. We see them all the time, and it's, it's kind of uh, unclear on what we mean, so uh, I think it's on the next slide there. Awesome, there we go. <laughs> the difference between iniquity and transgressions iniquity versus transgressions. You see, there are synonyms for sin, and we, uh, we use them often, but we need to know what exactly they mean. See, the word iniquity comes from the Latin word iniquus, which means in meaning not, and then uh, uh, equus meaning uh, it's like where we get the word equal from. So it literally means not equal, but more accurately kind of translates to not just, or just in, an injustice that has happened. Transgression is the act itself that goes against law. So iniquity is inner, transgression is outer. So say I were to murder someone, that is both morally unjust and illegal. So that is, an, that is both iniquity and transgression. Now, if I merely just, uh, if I lusted after a woman and, di and I didn't even do anything about it. I haven't broken any law or any transgression. However, that is iniquity, and that is sin, that is, that is inner. Y'all tracking with me? Awesome. Now, if I find myself driving over the speed limit, then I have transgressed the law. Now, but would anybody actually question someone's morality by simply, by a mere speeding ticket? Of course not, of course not. But that's, that's transgression. You see, iniquity is all about the intent. Transgression is all about the content. Iniquity is inner, transgression is outer, and they're both what we call sin. And see, if you read through the, the Torah, or the first five books of the Bible, uh, Genesis through Deuteronomy, you'll find whenever it mentions the law, you'll find iniquities and transgressions mixed together and they're almost interchangeable like there'll be one chapter that'll talk about some iniquities and the next one will talk about transgressions and it's all mixed together and it kind of can get uh, a little confusing on what is uh what is a little what is actually uh illegal for the time and what is actually morally wrong 
It will be iniquity, transgression, iniquity, transgression, transgression. That's a hard word to say fast. <laughs> you see, uh, the, I believe that these are found, that God did this on purpose. Why he put them in the order he did. And in James 2.10, it says this. It should be on the slide. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. You see, the law is like a necklace with many beads on it. If one part breaks, then the whole thing falls apart. And so it's not the beads, it's the necklace. And in the same sense, it's not the laws, plural, it's the law. So if I'm being honest, I have uh, transgressed the speeding law a few times in my life. I guess... Well, more accurately, I have been caught transgressing this speeding a few times. But say tonight, as uh, we're as we're leaving to go to get tacos, and I'm driving down Eighth Avenue, and I'm speeding because I'm a little too eager to get there. And say I get pulled over, and then and I and the officer knocks on the window. You know how fast you're going, and I start to give my excuses, and I say, "But sir, you don't understand. I have never even." touched the speed limit before. Matter of fact, I stop at every single stop sign, every single red light. Shoot, I have never even had a headlight out. And even if that were all true, what would he say? He said, I don't care what you've done in the past. You have broken the law. You see, we naturally don't like to think that we're in the wrong. We like to think that we are good people and we're on the right direction. But the reality is, by the Lord's standard, we are guilty. By God's standard, the only standard that matters, we have broken the law. You see, most people believe in a God or a higher power and believe that they're following him, her, it, or whatever that God may be. And those that don't believe in a God, uh, the atheists, are ready to refute the notion of any kind of higher power. But by doing that, they put themselves as the highest power there is in their life anyways. And they become their own God. And then to seek what is moral, the standard is whoever their God is. Whoever your God is is a standard for morality. So that's why it's not so important that you believe in a God, but rather which God you believe in. And unfortunately, even, uh, even those who proclaim the name of Christ can turn Christ into someone he's not. You guys remember um, when Mark Renfro was here back in uh, during our missions week? Yeah. Yeah. He said something, I, I, I love it. He said, uh, we know we've created God in our own image when he hates the same people that we do. I haven't forgotten that. And see, all bad theology begins with a wrong viewpoint of God. You see, the true God, the God of the Bible, he wrote morality. And so it is by his standard that we need to adhere to. See, we call him God, not because that's his name, you know, but that's his title. You guys remember when uh, Duncan preached about the Lord, the Lord at the beginning of this uh, this message? If you haven't uh, if you haven't heard it, it's on Spotify, YouTube, anywhere. Pretty much, you can get podcasts 
just I challenge you to go back and look at it. He just preached on the Lord, the Lord your God. And and he, he told us how the Lord. Anytime you see the Lord in Scripture, it's the word Yahweh. See, it's actually a, a participle of the Hebrew verb to be. When he says, I am that I am, always. He always is, he always was, always will be. And so we call him God, not because that's his name, but that's just who he is. It's, it is, he's, he's the Lord, he's everything. He holds the universe in the palm of his hands. He created us and he knows the hairs on your head. And if we can even understand a little bit, just grasp a little bit, how amazing he is, how vast he is, how big our God is, how, how great he is, then we can't possibly read the Bible and think it's all about us. It's all about him. He is the main character story. History is his story. And everything is through him. If you read the Gospels, which I really hope you do, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all recount the stories of Jesus from each of their perspective. And so Mark was the first gospel to be written, and he, he began it with uh, Jesus' baptism because that's when Jesus began his public ministry. See, Matthew thought that wasn't quite right, so he goes back further, and he traces his genealogy all the way back to Abraham. And then Luke sees that, and he thought that wasn't even far back enough, so he traces Jesus' genealogy all the way back to Adam. But I believe that John was the one who really got it right. See, John didn't know what Jesus' name was before he was Jesus, before he was born. You guys know that? He wasn't Jesus until he was born, or Yeshua. He wasn't Christ until, uh, the, until it was a word that the, the Jews came up for, for the uh, coming Messiah. So he wasn't Jesus, he wasn't the Christ, so who was he at the beginning? John 1.1 1, 1 says, uh, says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He opens his gospel the same way that Moses opens up Genesis. In the beginning, he was there. See, our human minds can't, under, can't comprehend anything before the beginning, so John just simply says, and At the beginning, he was already there. Actually, I would argue that the word, when uh, he says the word, that's probably not the best uh, translation for that. See, the Greek word is logos. In the beginning was the logos. Where did John get that idea? Well, in 6th century BC, there was a Greek philosopher named Heraclitus, and you can throw that next slide up there. And he would regularly challenge his students to look and to find the why and the reasoning of things. What is the reason blank does blank? Why does it rain? Why do, the, why do the waves go one way during a full moon and a different way another time? And he used the, the word that he would use for that is logos, the reasoning why, the reasoning for everything. In fact, that word has made it into the English language now. Not as a full word, but it's a, uh, it's a suffix where you ever hear the, the suffix ology. That's where, that's where it comes from, the logos. 
meteorology, ecology, geology, the logos, the reasoning why. And this is what John calls Jesus. In the beginning was the reason for everything. I believe that was through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He was already there. And the reason for everything became flesh. And the reason for everything died for us. And that shouldn't lead us to boasting. That doesn't mean we're any good. In fact, it should lead us to humility and to repentance. The everlasting reason for everything became flesh and gave up his life for those whose lives are, as James put it, are like the morning mist. Here one moment, here one moment and gone the next. See, that's who created us. That's who died for us. You see, in Chi Alpha, we've said this many times, that we believe that God has a fundamental right on our lives. And what gives him that right? He's the most amazing being in the universe. He's the most qualified in the universe. He's the reason for everything. And he loves us. But despite all this, we can still turn from him. See, in his love, he lets us choose him. And also means he lets, he lets us not choose him. But he still chooses to forgive us so long as we repent. You see, God's love may be unconditional, but his forgiveness is not. You see, it's not enough to accept Jesus. We must embrace Jesus. Let me explain a little more what I mean by that. You see, there is a common teaching today that all we need to do to receive salvation is to pray and accept Jesus into our lives. And if we accept him as our Savior, then we'll be saved. You see, I don't think that's completely right. Because, for example, so King Charles III, he's the king of England now since the, since the queen has passed. And that is something I accept pretty easily. I accept that he is the king of England. That's pretty easy. However, I'm not subject to him. I'm not English. I don't live in his country. So although that I am able to accept that he is king, I do not embrace his kingship. So if he were to offer some sort of benefit to his subjects, I can't just be like, well, King Charles, I've accepted that you were king this whole time. I've never denied that once. He would say, I don't care. You are not my subject. You never were. And often, we can do the same thing with Jesus. We can accept that he is Lord, but refuse his lordship. That is not right. We need to be his subjects. He needs to be the Lord of our lives. Not just something that we accept him to be Lord of, but something that we need to embrace the lordship. The beginning of Psalm 24 says this, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. 
this is the New King James Version, and, and I love how it includes those who dwell therein. That's us. You see, I don't. I, there's there's so many subjects nowadays that are so controversial, and a common uh, way to argue is people try to argue without using the Bible, and I can't. I don't understand that because <laughs> even when it's to an unbeliever, because apart from the Bible, apart from Jesus, I have nothing, <laughs> really and truly. And he's the reason. Jesus is the reasoning why for everything. The reasoning for all morality. So when, so when Jesus says something, it goes. If he doesn't like something, if uh, something is not of his character, of his nature, something would not be the case under his lordship. It's not of. It's not something that a Christian should be taken apart in. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Yeah, when uh, when you're under a king, the word no is not in your vocabulary. You can't tell him no. He's the boss. He's God. It's not enough to accept Jesus. We must embrace Jesus. And he cannot be our Savior without also being our Lord. So why must we re repent? Because we're guilty, and he's the only one that can forgive us. We are guilty, and he's the only one that can forgive us. There's a passage I, wanted to, uh, I want to read from. It's found in Jonah 3, and starting in verse 1. And this is a, this is a book I, can, I could probably talk all day about, but we're just going to focus on, on these verses here. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach it to the message. Uh, it preaches the message that I tell you. So a little bit of background in case you guys have never read this book. Um, uh, Jonah has been, has been told by God to go to Nineveh and to tell the people that God is going to destroy them. And Jonah does not want to go, and so he ends up fleeing, and he goes to uh, all the way to Tarshish, which is the farthest uh, western point in the Bible that is that is recorded, and and uh, God doesn't let him do that. He sends a storm to stop the boat, and he tells the people to throw him into the sea, where a great fish swallows him and spits him out. And God tells, and this is where we pick up here: Go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth, from the greatest to the least of them. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covering himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God, Yes, 
let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works and that, that they turned from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them. And he did not do that. If you notice, the people did not repent because God told them to. Say again, people did not repent because God told them to. God just said that judgment, that judgment was coming, and they believed it. He just said that judgment was coming, and they believed in it. And it was maybe perhaps God will relent if we repent. And they turned to him. I've heard it said before that uh, there's one prayer that, that, that God has a hard time refusing. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Because that's, a, that's an admission of guilt. That's a humble position to take. God, have mercy on me. Because I'm guilty and you're the only one that can forgive me. I want to compare this to a passage in Luke 23, verses 39 through 43. It's a very common story. This is when Jesus is on the cross, and there are two thieves next to him, both guilty, Jesus innocent. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other responded, and rebuking him, said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our crimes. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he, and he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. See, God doesn't want perfect prayers. He wants honest ones. When people repent before the Lord, he forgives them. When people ask for mercy, God gives it. We need to understand, guys, that our sin, our guilt, it's filthy. It is disgusting in the sight of God. If you guys remember Jake's sermon uh, a little while ago about uh, with old Greg, <laughs> go back and watch it if you don't know what I'm talking about. But that's how it is. We are, our sin, us covered in sin is ugly and filth, and we don't always see it for the filth that it is. But the Lord does. He, with, our, with our filth and our, our disgustingness in the sight of God, we can't present ourselves to God properly without Jesus. See, our sin makes us gross and unlovable. G.K. Chesterton said in his book, Orthodoxy, he said, a thing must be loved before it becomes lovable. You see, we're guilty. We're unlovable. I am guilty, and I am unlovable. And you are guilty, and you are unlovable. 
But you see, 1 John 4.19 says, We love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. We became lovable because he first loved us. The only thing lovable about me is Christ in me. The only thing lovable about any of us is Christ in us. Oh, you guys remember uh, Mark's sermon from about uh, Ephesians 2? Such a good sermon. Like I think about that a lot. Wow. Good job, Mark. <laughs> and I want to read from Ephesians 2 uh, to echo what he said. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. It's a terrible ending if it ended right there. And then continuing on. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by the grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But God. I remember that really well, Mark. It was a really good message. But God. Mark with the meat. Let's go. <laughs> you see, Jesus loving for us first is what made us lovable. My parents love watching this show uh, uh, with uh, Chip and Joanna. It's all a fixer-upper. I know some of you, well, Maddie clearly likes it. <laughs> See, so their whole, if you don't know, it's a, it's a, it's a show all about this couple that decides to uh, go into, into their city and to renovate houses and to make them beautiful. And they live in Waco, Texas. And as a matter of fact, they've been asked many times to go to other cities to do that, but they had a conviction that they needed to love their city, to love Waco. You see, before Waco was just a run-down city, there's really nothing going through. I've been there myself, and what, there wasn't a lot going for it. But now, people come from all around the country just to go see Waco because they know, uh, what, they know how it's been loved. Waco didn't become lovable until it was loved first. While we were in New York, we uh, went by Times Square and there's a church there. It's called Times Square Church. And it was uh, David Wilkerson planted that church. And when he, when he planted it, Times Square was terrible, full of prostitution, drugs, and was not a place that anybody would want to be. But now it's a place where families go. Now it's a place where businesses thrive. You see, the... When the presence of God enters into a place, he makes it beautiful and lovable. You see, why, was, why did God choose Israel? You guys ever wondered that? Why, God, why did God choose Israel? Well, you don't have to wonder because he, uh, God said why in Deuteronomy 7. 
The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the other peoples. For you are the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you. It was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh the king of, of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. Israel didn't build the pyramids. Israel didn't have uh, amazing architecture or, or great technical, technological advances. They were great because God loved them, because the Spirit of God was with them. Uh, praise team can come back up. Jeremiah 31 says this. The writer of Hebrews echoes this same passage. It says this, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the houses of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. And then I want you guys to look at this. For I will forgive their iniquity. And their sin I will remember no more. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Guys, this is a glimpse of the mercy of God. I want you to notice it doesn't just say, I will forgive their iniquity and stop right there. And their sin I will remember no more. As I know that there are some people here today that you have a terrible past. You have done things that you regret and that you've been asked, you've asked God for forgiveness. You have repented, but it still haunts you. And to keep going to God with that and saying, God, forgive me of this. Forgive me of this. The good news is that he has no idea what you're talking about. He doesn't just forgive us. He forgets our sins. Love keeps no record of wrongs. God keeps no record of wrongs. He loves us. So for the response time, I'm talking to a few people here. If there have been sins in your life that you have drove with and you felt like and you just feel like they're just nagging at you and you've repented and you've asked God for forgiveness I want you guys to lay that down because God's already forgotten it Jesus has forgiven you people if you are and if you are currently living in sin you have sins that are plaguing you I don't have to say what it is you know what it is 
Lord will show mercy if you ask for it. The Lord will give his mercy and his forgiveness if you repent. Sometimes that may mean confessing to your brothers and sisters to tell them to be open, be honest. Be honest with them, but most importantly, be honest with God. He loves you. So Jesus, thank you for everyone here. Thank you for everyone who has been sitting here listening to what you have to say. God, I pray that you move in people's hearts tonight. God, help us lay things down. In your name we pray. Amen. For more information, please visit xaunc.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash xaunc. Our Instagram handle is at XAUNC, and you can find all of our content on our YouTube channel by searching for Chi Alpha UNC. Until next time, may the Lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering.